Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of John. Well, faithful listeners, we are almost done with the book of John. We only have a few more days in John before we move into the book of Acts. So today we're going to talk about John chapter 20 and finish up this chapter. Then we only have one more chapter in John after that. But today we're talking about Jesus just randomly appearing to his disciples, which to me is kind of a funny story a little bit. So I'm going to talk about this. But the main thing I want to focus on today is the Holy Spirit, because in today's passage, we're going to see that Jesus gives his disciples the Holy Spirit. But yet it's commonly assumed that the disciples didn't receive the Holy Spirit until the day of Pentecost, which is talked about in the book of Acts. So let's go into that and see whether the disciples received the Holy Spirit two times or more than two times, if this is an inconsistency in scripture or what's going on here. So let's talk about this. I'm going to be reading out of the W.E.B. as usual, John 20, 19 through 31. Grab your cup of coffee and let's join in. When therefore it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were locked where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the middle and said to them, peace be to you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples therefore were glad when they saw the Lord. Therefore, Jesus said to them again, peace be to you. As the father has sent me, even so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. For if you forgive anyone's sins, they have been forgiven them. If you retain anyone's sins, they have been retained. But Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, wasn't with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days again, his disciples were inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being locked, and stood in the middle and said, Peace be to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here your finger and see my hands. Reach here your hand and put it in my side. Don't be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Therefore Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. In verse 19, it's actually the same day that Jesus rose from the dead. Because here's what it says. When therefore it was evening on that day, the first day of the week. So that would have been the day after Sabbath or Sunday when Jesus had just risen from the dead. It says he appeared to his disciples when the doors were all locked. Shut and locked is what it says. And the reason the doors were shut and locked was because the disciples were all there together. Possibly comforting each other after Jesus' death. Possibly... Uh, talking about the women who claimed they saw, you know, Jesus and maybe even praying because of their fear of the, the Jewish elders and the Jewish priests praying for protection. So because of their fear of the Jews, their doors were shut and locked is what it says. And it says that Jesus comes and stands in the middle of them. 
<laughs> so Jesus didn't knock on the door. Nothing like that. He just randomly went in and stood in the middle of all of his disciples. And he says to them, peace be to you. If you ever notice in scripture when like an angel randomly appears to somebody, the people are always horrified by this and terrified. And sometimes they fall over like dead is what it says in scripture. And usually the angel says something like, don't be afraid. Like, it's okay. Don't be afraid. <laughs> so I can imagine the disciples here when Jesus is just randomly appeared to them in his glory that they are just stunned silent and terrified so jesus is kind of just like peace be to you because of their fear almost like don't be afraid he gives a blessing to his disciples peace be to you and so the disciples are just staring at jesus and it says that he showed them his hands and his side now luke also gives an account of this exact story don't forget, there were 10 people in this room witnessing this. So this is mentioned several times throughout scripture, this same story, because just imagine Jesus randomly standing in the room with you all of a sudden, that would be something you would never forget. And 10 people witnessed this. Now, Thomas was not there. Don't forget. We don't know why he wasn't there, but he was not in the room with the other disciples, but Jesus is standing there, they all witness it, and they tell the story to everybody because this is Jesus displaying his glory after he's risen from the dead. But not only is he displaying his glory, he's showing that he's a real person because they thought they saw a ghost is actually what the Luke account says. And actually, I'm going to read the part in Luke that says that. So if you look at Luke 24, verses 37 through 42, here's what it says. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. So that's the reason Jesus showed these markings on his hands and his feet to his disciples to prove that he was a real person. He's like, look, you can see the scars. You can see the nail holes on my hands. It is truly me. I am a real person. And actually, Luke also mentions that Jesus asked for fish. Here's what it says. While they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement. So some of the disciples were still like not believing this. They were overjoyed. <laughs> But they were completely 100% just unbelieving because they were so amazed and, and shocked by all of this. So Jesus says to them, do you have anything here to eat? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. <laughs> and the reason Jesus probably did that was because his disciples still weren't believing in him, even after them looking at the nail wounds in his hands and, and the spear wound in his side, they still just didn't believe it. And so Jesus truly wanted to show that he was not a ghost, that he was not a figment of their imagination. And so he says to his disciples, hey, give me something to eat. And so Jesus starts eating broiled fish like <laughs> while well, the disciples are just watching him eat it. 
<laughs> I just love that. I mean, that's exactly how I would respond in this situation. I'd be like, this cannot be real. <laughs> like, I'm watching Jesus eat this fish and, you know, he's definitely not a ghost. But I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I mean, the disciples, they were having a really hard time processing this, I think, as any human being would. But anyway, that's the Luke account of this story. So going back to John chapter 20, it says in verse 21, after Jesus showed them his hands, he says to them again, peace be to you as the father has sent me, even so I send you. When he said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So Jesus now breathes on his disciples, the 10 that were there, and he's giving them through his breath, the Holy Spirit. So this was my question, and I'm sure this is where some people have some confusion about the Holy Spirit, is it says in Acts chapter 2 that the disciples received a miraculous power from the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 1, Jesus actually tells his disciples to wait to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So this is the question. Did the disciples receive the Holy Spirit to three times or did they receive the spirit here in John chapter 20? When did they receive the Holy Spirit? That is the question. And I also question this because I'm like, I thought that they received the spirit when the Pentecost came. But Jesus here is breathing on his disciples and telling them to receive the Holy Spirit. So when I looked up this question, a lot of people said that this was Jesus prophesying that his disciples were going to receive the Holy Spirit. And that's all this is. <laughs> Other accounts say that the disciples truly did receive the Spirit twice. Once here and once in the Pentecost and however many other times after that. But there's another belief about this, and this is the one that I'm leaning on. I believe that Jesus did give his disciples the Holy Spirit right here in John chapter 20. They received it. However, when the Pentecost came... It wasn't necessarily the disciples receiving the Holy Spirit all over again, but it was the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is what Jesus actually said it was in Acts chapter 1. Just as you and I can have faith in Jesus before we do the physical act of baptism, I think that analogy is kind of on the same lines as this. The disciples received the Holy Spirit but they weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit yet, if that makes sense. The baptism would come 40 days after this, when Pentecost happens and they receive the gift of tongues. Now that is my belief. We'll talk more about that when we get into the book of Acts in just a few days also. But anyway, the one thing I, I question is, you know, Thomas wasn't there. <laughs> so did Jesus give him the spirit later on? I don't know. It doesn't actually say if uh, if Thomas received it from Jesus or maybe Thomas received it the first time at Pentecost. I don't know. I am not 100% sure on that one. It doesn't actually say. But anyway, Thomas is not there. And so in verse 25, the other disciples therefore said to Thomas, we have seen the Lord. <laughs> so Thomas says, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. So clearly the disciples were 
talking to Thomas and they're like, look, Thomas, you know, Jesus appeared here in this room with us and he showed us his hands with like the, the nail print and he showed us also his side and he was definitely here. Like we believe it. We saw it. And Thomas is like, no way. Unless I literally feel his hands and his side, I am not going to believe it. Thomas gets a really bad rap from this. But to stick up for Thomas a little bit, all the disciples did not believe at one point in time. The only one that kind of believed the whole time was actually John. He actually believed before any of the other disciples did when he saw the shroud, the the cloth that was covering Jesus, lying there in the tomb. He believed at that point in time. But John was the only one really that believed the entire time. The other disciples just didn't. They were having a really hard time with it. Thomas gets a bad rap for being, you know, Thomas the doubter. But let's be 100% honest. How many of us would truly believe if we were in the same situation as Thomas? I think a lot of us would, would struggle. Just as the disciples didn't believe the women who had seen Jesus, that's very clear in scripture, they did not believe the testimony of the women, Thomas didn't believe the testimony of the women or the other disciples. And so in actuality, Thomas was just the same <laughs> as his other, as the other disciples were really when it comes to unbelief, I think. But the fact of the matter is, Thomas admitted he was wrong. And that's the thing that really matters. After eight days, again, his disciples were inside and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being locked and stood in the middle and said, peace be to you. So same exact situation happens, except this time Thomas is there with them. So he says to Thomas, reach here your finger and see my hands, reach here your hand and put it into my side. Don't be unbelieving, but believing. And so Jesus literally gives Thomas exactly what he asked for. He holds out his hands and he's like, here, touch the scars I have on my hands. Touch the, the scar I have on my side here. Touch it. Don't be unbelieving, but believing. This is the grace and mercy of God. He often meets us exactly where we're at. Just as he did here with Thomas. Thomas was unbelieving. He wanted to be able to touch Jesus's skin, touch the wounds in order for him to actually believe. And so that's what Jesus does. He has mercy on Thomas and he allows Thomas to touch him. And so Thomas sees Jesus and he says, my Lord and my God. And I don't know if Thomas touched Jesus or not. It doesn't actually say here, but he admits he's wrong. When he sees Jesus, he says, my Lord and my God. So Thomas, in my mind, yes, he doubted, but he admitted that he doubted and he claimed Jesus as his. And that's what really matters. And that's what we should do when we doubt God's goodness or God's provision for us. And God responds to us with kindness. When we see that kindness that God gives us in spite of our doubting, this is how we should respond. My Lord and my God, I was wrong. I doubted you and I believe you. You are my God. You are mine. And I think this was a very appropriate response 
for Thomas to have in this situation. So Jesus responds to Thomas here and he says, because you have seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Now, a lot of people think that Jesus is actually uh, like scolding Thomas here, but I don't actually think that's what this is. He's just stating, Thomas, you saw me and you now believe, but blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Now, this should be comforting for all of us because we don't see Jesus and the, the vast majority of Christians would never truly see Jesus like in the flesh. But we are blessed because we haven't seen Jesus and yet we believe in him. We believe that he is God and we believe in his existence and his resurrection. So we are blessed because of that, because of that belief. There's an excellent article I want to talk about real quick from Stand to Reason, which I believe is uh, Greg Kokel's um, website. But it talks about this verse and how some people like to use this verse to claim that faith is believing without evidence. So in other words, Christians have faith, but we have no evidence of that faith, if that makes sense. Like we don't really have any evidence that Jesus existed, which is silly because history proves that Jesus existed. (laughs) But anyway, they use this verse to say that, you know, Christians blindly have faith but there's no evidence to back it up. Which is very silly because there was evidence in this portion of scripture. Thomas wanted that evidence. He wanted to see Jesus's wounds and not just see them, but also feel them. That's the evidence and Jesus gave him that evidence. And now we have the eyewitness testimony of 11 people that witnessed this. Possibly more if the women were in that room also. We have 400 different accounts of people who saw Jesus alive after his resurrection. That's a lot of evidence to prove that Jesus does in fact exist. So our faith does in fact have evidence. It has evidence of all these witnesses. So I'm going to link this article in the description of my podcast episode if you want to read it. It's actually a very short article. In a good read. But anyway, um, moving forward here to conclude, it says in verse 30, therefore, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So there you go. That's an excellent segue from what we were just talking about with that evidence. John is saying the reason these things are written down is so that you will have evidence that Jesus exists and lives so that you may believe and have life in his name. It says in scripture that the only way to God the Father is through Jesus. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so John is pointing back to that scripture a little bit that we will have life in Jesus's name because the only way to eternal life is through Jesus. If any of you are questioning how to have eternal life, I don't think I've ever really talked about it on the podcast. All you have to do is just believe in Jesus, believe that he existed, believe that he died for your sins and believe that he 
conquered death and is risen again and lives up in heaven. And that's and that is how you accept Jesus and eternal life is understanding that you need a savior, understanding that you have a sin nature that we all have. I have it. You have it. Every single person on earth has a sin nature. And because of that sin nature, we can't have community with the father because the father is holy and perfect. Just as we would be freaked out (laughs) if an angel appeared before us and displayed that power, we cannot reside with God the father with how holy he is and how corrupt we are. We needed somebody to save us from that corruption. And so that's what Jesus did for us. He saved us from our sins, from the corruption that sin causes, and he gave us a free gift. And that is how we can have community with the Father again and attain eternal life through him. And so that is the gospel message in a nutshell. And that's basically what John is saying here. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing, you may have life in his name. So there's that word again, believing. You must believe in Jesus in order to receive that eternal security, that eternal salvation, that believing in Jesus, you will have life. Faithful listeners, I will see you all tomorrow for an episode out of Joshua. We're moving through Joshua also very quickly as well. And I decided that I am going to do Judges in season six as well. So I'm not switching the season to season seven. I'm going to do Joshua and Judges together in this season. But anyway, faithful listeners, I will see you guys tomorrow, 6 a.m. or whenever you choose to wake up. Happy listening and God bless.